Coming up this week, off screen. Spider-Man enters the Spider-Verse. We fire up the mortal engines. Go deep with Aquaman. Meet Lizzie. See an elephant sitting still. And go free solo on El Capitan. All those to come and more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I'm Kelly Needham. So, Ms. Needham, thanks for joining me again. Uh, Mr. Colson filled in for you uh, last week, and uh, well, we've got another fun week because it turns out films never end. They, they just, never end. They never do. They just bring out new ones. Isn't that the strangest thing? I know. It's almost like the football. We will never determine who has won the football. But yeah, anyway, so that's that's a discussion for a different time. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, you said the word football and I fell you asleep. You just over? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. Usually happens with a lot of critics in the world, word comic book movie, uh, or the term comic book movie, uh, of which we have two this week, so yeah. Sucks to be you, critics. Yeah, uh, so two this week, and we get a Transformers <laughs> movie next week, so Ooh. yay. Yeah. Anyway, so before we get to all that fun, and all the goodness, and the reviews, and the news, and the box office, and the topping tanning, the the topping fiving in this case um we've got to plug the podcast edition so you can get what's that that? well it turns out there is a lengthier version of this show oh who'd want that i know (laughs) it it turns out actually the bulk of our listenership yay (laughs) uh but yeah you get a whole other bit of show after the end credits which this week will include an extra review and i think we're saving lizzie for the very end actually and uh, then uh, you get the moment of cage at the end you get loads more news yeah we all love the moment of cage but, we love uh, it. I'm, I'm getting actually I'm to that stage where I'm almost running out of moments to, ca- moments to cage to find. Moments to cage. Moments to cage. That's what it should moments be called. Moments to cage of cage. That's what it is. <laughs> but, Don't uh, worry. He'll he'll give us more soon. So, we need some news to kick us off this week. What have you got for me, Ms. Needham? Well, I know that we're going to be talking about Pete Spiderman soon. <laughs> Pete Spiderman. Uh, so, <laughs> Pete Spiderman. So I thought we'd kick off with the Spider-Man news. And I don't know all the details There's as usual. There's a Spider-Man news, uh, I think, isn't there? Yeah, well, you know, he's an interesting guy. Big, big universe. Big yeah. universe. Big universe. Uh, but this is all about the Spideyverse and Sony wanting to patent the look. And I have no <laughs> idea what that means. Have you seen the trailer for it? Uh, well, I saw the bit at the end of Venom. Right, okay. Did you, you notice how sort of odd it looks? Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, what is that? Right, the reason it looks odd, it's animated like any other cartoon, right? Uh-huh. Um, in fact, design-wise, it's closest to the now sort of forgotten 2003 MTV computer-animated Neil Patrick Harris Spider-Man series. That was a thing? That was a thing. Mm. Ian Ziering of Sharknado fame, voiced mm-hmm. Harry Osborn. No. Oh. Congratulations. And Lisa Loeb was Mary Jane. Lisa Loeb? Lisa Loeb. Alright. Yeah. So anyway, um, it, it looks like that, but what they've done is, when you know when you, you animate anything, what you do is mm-hmm. that you add motion blur uh, between the individual, between frames here and there to okay. make the movement look more natural. Right. And they just did none of that. They just couldn't be bothered. They just couldn't be bothered adding motion blur. And it turns out that people really like the look of it. And so Sony, since they took many, many attempts now to uh, actually come up with a cinematic universe around Spider-Man, and it's all sort of blown up in their faces, uh, well, they've made one work. And so they 
just want to get hold of everything, every possible component that made it work, which includes the animation, and lock it down as their thing and their style. It's kind of the same kind of thing the South Park guys could have done, but I don't think they actually did. Oh, okay. But, yeah. So in the same way that that's kind of flat objects moving around style animation, they're going to say... No one could not use motion blur, because that's <laughs> exactly. our thing. That's kind of it. Yeah, it's like, no, if you have to have motion blur. You've got to blur that um, motion. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you forget to blur any of your motion, so help you, me. you owe me, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so, right. um, should we review Into the Spider-Verse? Please, because okay. I really have no idea what this thing is oh, about. You know what? You're going to love this. Okay. And can I just recommend straight off the bat, how old are your nephews now? Seven and four. Seven and four. Perfect ages. Okay. Mm-hmm. Take them to see this. Okay. If you can, take them to see it in like 3D or IMAX or whatever the biggest screen with the loudest sort of visual gimmickry you can find is. With all the tricks and the pups all and the All the fireworks. tricks and the bells and the whistles. If it's in mm-hmm. 4DX, do that. Okay. Um, and they will love you forever for it. Because if I'd seen this when I was a kid, I would have gone nuts. Right. Um, okay. Okay. So, I'm, intrigued. I'm intrigued. It is the story of Miles Morales. Who is? Uh, ah. uh-huh. If you know anything of comics, you already kind of know who he is. If you mm-hmm. don't, he is. I think he's like a fifteen-year-old mixed-race black Latino teen who uh, lives, I think, in Brooklyn. Uh, but mm-hmm. he goes to a different school that's slightly outside the jurisdiction. That's a bit more uh, posh and elite because he's got a scholarship that allows him to go there. And he mm-hmm. really wants to get kicked out and go back to his sort of midtown high equivalent. Mm-hmm. So he keeps like pretending he's an underachiever kind of a thing but in actuality he is a next level peter parker style boy genius okay right his uh, his dad's a cop his estranged uncle estranged from his dad not from him is uh somehow involved with like local gang culture like he keeps taking odd jobs for mysterious criminal parts uh-huh. and uh, he uh, one day he takes uh young miles morales who he has like a sort of secret friendship with behind the dad's back takes him to these underground tunnels under this chemical plant where he's been doing quote a job mm-hmm. and shows him like a whole empty thing an empty bit of wall that he can put his signature graffiti on because that's Miles's true passion and while he's yeah. there um, a, uh, a radioactive spider sneaks out of the chemical plant and bites Miles Morales can <gasps> you guess what happens then uh, he cries Actually, no, no, he's surprisingly tough. Yeah, no, he. Uh, I'd be pretty sad, I'll be honest. By his description, he goes through puberty overnight. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, uh, eyesight, health, fitness, everything gets better, and he can cling to walls and everything. And but he becomes Miles Spider Man. Miles Spider Man. He can also turn invisible as a fight or flight reflex. What? And he has like an electroshock touch oh. when, he, when he touches you. So he has like a spider sting. Right. No sooner has he begun to figure this out, though, then he runs into Peter Parker one night, and Peter Parker is then killed. What? Yes. Only for Miles, I almost said Peter then, only for Miles to immediately be in danger of being killed by the Kingpin, who at this point has also killed Spider-Man, and he is rescued by none other than Peter Parker Spider-Man. What? Now with a different voice and about 20 years older. And as Pete Spider-Man, as Pete Spider-Man tells Miles Spider-Man, the Kingkin's got a giant black hole machine. He's trying to bring his dead family back from another reality. And it's going to kill us all. By the way, here are a bunch of other Spider-Man. And uh, here's a clip. Aim with your hips! Look where you want it to hit! (laughs) 
double tap to release, and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. And whip, release. Whip and release. You're an actor. Whip, release. Feel the rhythm? I gotta say, you're amazing, man. We're a little teeth. Me as the teacher who could still do it. You as the student who can do it just not as good. I'm proud of us. Is there something you want to say to me? So that is, you have probably guessed by now, Jake Johnson. Yeah. Yes, so Nick from New Girl is the older, schlubbier Peter Parker. Oh, I love right. him so much. Yeah, you're going to love him in this. He's perfectly cast. Uh, Shamik Moore from uh, Dope, he's Miles Morales, very likable. Mm-hmm. He plays it a lot more youthful than he himself is. He seems to be in his like, early 20s. Mm. And this kid's like 50. He convincingly plays 15. Yeah. Uh, Jake Johnson makes the schlubby middle-aged thing work as well. Uh, the alpha Peter Parker, the sort of Ace Rimmer style one that we get to begin with, who's quite quickly killed, is uh, Chris Pine, by the way. Oh. Well, I'm glad he's dead then. (laughs) Well, apparently they wanted Tobey Maguire back for one of them, but they couldn't get him, and I I can't think of that. Oh, he's really busy doing, like, you know, the... The nothing. The things. You know, he was. All the stuff. he's doing the stuffs with the... Has he got more poker princesses to clean out? Yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. clearly that. Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. 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 Sorry. Anyway. Please cover yourself. So, this might be the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Wow. Seriously. It's uh, shocking how much Big Hero 6 actually did force the entire animated superhero genre to have to up its, up its game. That's such an underrated film. It really is. Uh, this has got... Actually, there's an entire character in this who owes a debt to Big Hero 6, uh, one of the other spider people. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, great supporting cast. Uh, Nicholas Cage is Spider-Man Noir. Um, excuse me, Moments of the Cage. I, yeah, exactly. That's what we call it now, right? And, uh, well, that, that's exactly what it is. Moments to the Cage. To the Cage. To the cage moments Sorry. to the cage um yeah absolutely brilliant he's doing this sort of james cagney uh voice like, come awesome. here see come, oh. as spider-man what it's terrific <laughs> uh hayley steinfeld as spider gwen oh. uh, she's just got all the swagger she's great i loved her in this apparently we are getting a spider gwen movie i can't wait i want it now and um so else you've got, obviously got jay johnson you've also got um john mulaley as uh spider ham aka peter porker and spider pig no no spider- different different character Uh, different character entirely one of them sentient anyway um, you've also got uh, Penny Parker Spider I believe her name is who is the 32nd century Japanese schoolgirl Spider-Man and she has a giant spider mech so, so there's a lot of spider people. A lot of spider people. You've got Liev Schreiber as the kingpin, and he's got all James Conn oh, with excellent. it. Oh, excellent. Yeah, uh, really physically terrifying portrayal of him mm-hmm. as well. Um, the animation's dazzling. The story's insanely sharp and, and sort of just just prickly enough to have some, some bite. Like, it's it's not an aggressively inappropriate for children movie, mm-hmm. but it's one of those that's got a sense of its own identity and a sense of its own self-awareness that it manages to be you know, something quite eventful rather than by the numbers. So something that's for the kids, but for the grown-ups too. Very much so. Well, like I say, perfect thing for you and the nephews to go and Mm. see, definitely. But it's got so much dazzle and and fun and energy to it. And there's a couple of genuine, like, heartbreaking moments in it. Like I say, Mm -hmm. obviously the plot only kicks off because a Spider-Man is killed. And the manner in which that's depicted is quite shocking for, you know, an animated film that's 8-rated PG. You know, um... I thought it was great. I thought it was terrific. I loved the characters. I loved the music and the visuals and the energy of it. I thought the story was really interesting. And also might be my favourite portrayal of Aunt May yet. 
Well, to um, be fair, we've not got much to choose from. <laughs> well, I, I maintain Marissa Tomei, my girl Marissa Tomei, she's going to bring it but back. But she wasn't Aunt May. Like, I love her to bits, but she's not Aunt May, is she? Have you heard, apparently, there was this thing that apparently in the new movie in, in Spider-Man 2, uh-huh. she's dating Happy Hogan. So Because, yeah, sure. Because only other dude like her age in there, but... I guess so. Anyway. Anyway, so, we digress. Back, back to Spider-Verse. So, one of these attempts to do a Spider-Man cinematic universe has actually worked. Well, and it was a Sony one. It, but no, that's what I mean. This Because this cinematic universe thing, this is all the Sony side. Yeah. And so this isn't in any way sort of made by Marvel. This is actually made by Sony. Well, who knew? And, like, I'm glad this kind of clicked and Venom slightly less so. I mean, I don't think they will ever actually go through with all the Venom sort of stuff but yeah well we're getting a sequel well yeah but i mean we're getting a cyborg movie yeah, yeah we're never getting a cyborg movie yeah, you're Come getting on. a cyborg movie as much as you're getting venom versus carnage yeah you know what i mean exactly. and, and planet of the symbiotes and a war of the symbiotes or whatever it's called something like that not gonna happen not gonna happen but what is happening is into the spider-verse it's happening right now it's in cinemas you must go and see it and take all small children with you and show them what a really great fun Spider-Man movie can be uh, that isn't called Spider-Man Homecoming. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. I knew that I didn't. Did you actually know that I don't? Can I enter the competition? No, little Captain America, you. I understood that reference. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what are we going to review next? Are we going to review, is it an elephant sitting still? Yes, please. Okay, so an elephant sitting still is, and this is how it's it's phrased, and Mm -hmm. uh, to be honest, it's about as delicate as you could put it. Mm -hmm. It is the first and last film of Hu Bo, the Chinese author who uh, wrote the novel, uh, wrote the, the book, I believe it was Hard Crack? That, um, hard Crack? Hard Crack, that uh, this comes from a short story within. Okay. Okay, he has then, from his own short story, written, directed... Right, the theme tunes and He's the done theme the whole tune. shebang to this. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's ten minutes short of three... Uh, sorry, of four hours. I thought you were going to say it's ten minutes. No, no, it is three hours and fifty minutes long. And you've sat through this. And I've sat through this. What on earth is it about? Um, okay, it is about just a group of regular folk in China. They sort of uh-huh. down their look for all the varying reasons. They just sort of go about their days and their own little individual subplots and storylines. And uh, they all come together at this zoo where there is an elephant sitting still and it has sort of meditative, uh, evocative, sort of, uh, you know, introspective qualities. Uh-huh. It sounds deranged, I know. I can't explain it, right? It's one of those films whereby... The writing behind it has been so soulful and deep, and the Uh characters so just wonderfully painted, that when they are then combined with a director and a cast who happen to get the individual ebbs and flows of every single one of those characters, Uh it turns out to be something absolutely wonderful. And Uh, this is is one of those, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's because the director took his own life shortly after finishing the film. Oh, that's sad. And it's even sadder when you consider how how genuinely wonderful a voice his would have been on an ongoing basis on the world cinema stage. Ah. It really is. This is a tremendous film. This is something that's got to be up for some kind of award somewhere. I haven't just looked into it. This has just got, you know, foreign language movie awards fodder written all over it. 
So is it is in Mandarin? Uh, it is in Chinese or Mandarin. I'm never sure which. Um, it Some is sort of Chinese language. Though. It is. Um, it is in. It is subtitled. Yes, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So if you've got nearly four hours to sink. And go and watch want... a bunch of folks staring at an elephant doing nothing. Yep, there you go. It's uh, the hardest pitch I've ever had to make, not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and squeeze that in at and some I, point. I once, I once convinced an MP to watch Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's an excellent film. That's very true. <laughs> it does sound ludicrous when you say it out loud, doesn't it? All right. Well, I'm just going to try and remember to go and watch an elephant sitting still. There you go. Um, well, we have screener links for you know this purpose. So, uh, of course. Yeah, so All if, right, you, if cool. you want to do it the purpose of your own home, four you, hours. You I'll, uh, yeah. Could you break it down into chunks and do it a bit at a time, or do you need to? I think you need to stay with it. All right. All yeah. right. Sorry. Let's try and get there. Sorry, this has gone very Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shall we so, move on? Some news. Let's have some news. What have you got for me from the land of news? Um, so, Lucretia Martel has the been talking. Of Zama. Zama. Zama, exactly. Um, that was earlier this year. Has been talking about something that I had no idea about, and I think probably a lot of people didn't, <laughs> which is turning down the chance to direct the Black the Widow. Black Widow, film. yeah. Now. I can't remember for the life of me who it is that's actually got the film now. So I'm going to have to look this up while I'm, t- while I'm talking. First of all, uh, Zama, great movie. Loved mm-hmm. that. Um, Lucretia Martel, great director. So Black Widow is Kate Shortland has got the gig in the end. All right. uh, Kate well done, Shortland, Kate. who brought a somersault and Berlin Syndrome. So, oh, uh, yeah. Interestingly, always female focused films as yeah. well. Now, Lucretia Martel, um, not the same kind of sort of feminist. Uh, a position director like mm-hmm. Dharma was, you know, about a male antagonist, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been at some film festival this week, and they've asked her, like, just in passing, about the rumor that she was in discussions to do it. Mm-hmm. And she's brought up that Marvel told her, "Yeah, you know, come, we want you to come do it, but don't worry about not being able to shoot the action. We've got people for that." Right now, I think the way that she's trying to position it, the indication seems to be that she's going for the position that she wanted to have input in the fight scenes, but they didn't trust her to do that. Oh. Like for action scenes, and they didn't trust her to do that. When in reality, that's not how these things are made. You see, Christopher Nolan doesn't necessarily have to know how to shoot an action scene. That's what a second unit director is for. That's what action choreographers are for. Exactly. Fight choreographers. The director director's not, yeah. yeah, doesn't know the ins and outs of absolutely everything. Oh, exactly. And if you could have the guy, you know, making your fight scenes who made, you know, the, the Matrix ones or the, uh-huh. the guy who made the, the Raid ones, you, you'd go and get that particular guy. Exactly. But, you bring him yeah. in for that purpose. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so no one expects you to be the action director. You're just overseeing departments. That's all a director really is. Yeah. You know, a director is just a guy who knows which cameraman to or hire. Or a girl. But when well, I say a guy in a pejorative sense, yeah, in an inclusive. <laughs> I'm sorry, sense. I'm being facetious. You're, you're being good. You, you damn you in your gender specificity. <laughs> oh, I forget all the terms from South Park. Anyway, <laughs> so um, but yeah, you're basically you know you're the manager. That's what a director is, and every department has its own head, and that's you know those are the pieces that make the movie. That's how yeah. it works. But uh, the do you get a sense that that's the real story then, or do you think there was probably something else? Uh, I think it was just. I'd probably just running her mouth, having a laugh. I don't know. Mm. Uh, maybe just having, maybe having a lark, you know, messing around. But eh, who cares? Kate Shortland's doing it. I'm sure it'd be great. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's not that it's. I mean, no one cares day, about but, a Black Widow. Yeah, exactly. But 
you Black know. Widow movie before Age of Ultron might have been a bit more appealing. But yeah. Yeah. Now not less so, so much anymore. No, not quite. Sorry about it. So, yeah. So, uh, next review, what are we going to talk about? Mortal Engines. I saw the trailer for this, right. uh, you know, a week or so ago. And, God, does it look bad. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I've, I've known you for many years. Yeah, we've we've lived few. through some, some really crap years of cinema together. I mean, I think we were friends when Dungeons & Dragons was in cinemas. So Maybe. Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen some bilge. Over signs. There. Signs. I loved signs. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I know it. you did. You made me go and see it, and I've still not forgiven you. <laughs> I really haven't. Right, fine. I apologise. I discovered this the other week. My sister has never heard of that movie. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, it, right, we've seen some bilge. This is not bilge. It looks like it. It really does. Right. It looks like it should belong to the sort of 2002-era... 20 million mid-budget really ropey awful cgi action yeah. spectacle thing right for the most part it is that but it's the 200 million dollar version <laughs> <laughs> right so it's based on the uh, ya series of novels yeah, of, course I feel it like, is. of course it is yeah exactly that was my response as well <laughs> oh and there are sequels don't worry of course there are because yeah, the sequel novels so, yeah. <laughs> we're never going to see one of them get made no do not worry about that no, you're never God. seeing a sequel to this um right not that it's awful just that it's not really dazzling, okay? Okay. So it's set after the 60-minute war, which is a war... Well, I say it's a war. It's an incident whereby, you know, the nations of the world launched EMPs at one another, and yeah. the entire world was affected, and mm-hmm. society has now basically devolved to basically steampunk. That's our newest death. We've it gone is. for steampunk. All cities are basically built on giant land-based tanks, so the city of London is what's called a predator city, uh-huh. and it drives along through the countryside until it comes across your little town. Yeah. And like, you know, it'll come across the town of Barnsley, for instance. It doesn't. I'm just giving you an example. And then it would launch, run away. Yeah, it would, yeah. But they launch <laughs> harpoons, and they snare the city, and they suck it up inside, and they chop it down into little bits, and they add the bits onto their own city, and they expand London. Okay. With the help of, you know, whoever the, they happen to prey upon. Mm-hmm. Right. One day, they, uh, the city of London takes in, you know, its latest prey, which is a small town, upon which there is a mysterious, scarred young female assassin with a red cloth over her mouth, played by Hera Hilmar. Mm-hmm. Right. And I swear to God, I thought she was Elle McFanning for this entire movie. Easily done. She isn't, but they look very similar. <laughs> you know how that whole Javier Bardem, Jeffrey Dean Morgan yes. thing Yes! Right, this might be one of those. Uh, okay. okay. Okay, this this might be uh, Tom Hardy and Logan Marshall Green. Oh, that one's again. creepy. That, that's scary, isn't it? That it one really is, is creepy. So, Harry Hilmer and... Uh, 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 El Fanning. El Fanning. El Fanning. Yeah, anyway. I'm thinking we're fly. <laughs> I think we're fly thick. <laughs> anyway, so, <clears throat> she sneaks aboard London. She finds her way to basically the second in command of the city, who is portrayed to us as basically the voice of government to the people. He's played by uh, Hugo Weaving. Sure. Of course. of course it is. And she immediately tries to murder Hugo Weaving in the name of a random woman. Doesn't everyone try Doesn't, and murder him? It, quite, quite. <laughs> He's just got that one of those faces. <laughs> that and Sam Neill's face. But anyway. Yes. Yeah, another one. Huh? Another one. Another one, like Sam Neill. And, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we need to stop our twin game. <laughs> the doppelgangers. Anyway, there's a local historian played by Robert Sheehan, and he gets in the way, and he chases Harry Holmar into the, the 
crumbling ruins of her former town, mm-hmm. and uh, she accidentally falls over a ledge after telling him, watch out, he killed my mum, that Hugo Weaving, <laughs> and he'll probably kill you too. And then she falls down. And then a minute later, Hugo Weaving appears, says, oh my God, what did she say? And Robert Sheehan, being a complete doofus, turns around and says, ah, oh, she said you killed her mum, and then you killed me too. And Hugo Weaving's all like, yeah. And then he pushes him. And now, historian boy, and I went really Michael Pena with it. <laughs> you really did. I was into it. <laughs> you did you know it? it? So I was like, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. And, and then? then? Historian boy and red cloth assassin lady are now, like, stuck in the wasteland, and they have to find oh, no. a way to get back onto London to stop some doomsday weapon that Hugo Weaving now has access to for reasons, and uh, mm-hmm. also expose him to the townspeople for being you know, like a despot in the making. Um, here's a clip. I've got you! Tom! Tom! Look at me! Ask him why he murdered my mother. She was saying the craziest things, and then she's just... What did she say, Tom? She said you murdered her mother. Murder? That's an ugly word. I'm sorry you had to hear that. This is Sparta. I should go. Yeah, you should. Really, this is Sparta. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just seemed to fit so well. Right, do you know, it goes in this half of having live mics. I'm sorry. Uh, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, so the film, for the most part, I, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was terrible. By, really? By any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those, it falls into that, that horrible, awkward category of, you know, almost great sci-fi concepts that just never were and Mm. in terms of movies I mean you look at things like John Carter why John Carter didn't work out God forbid Jupiter Ascending and Atlas these great big sci-fi ideas that just never quite pan out this is unfortunately one of them Um, it's the debut film of Christian Rivers who Mm. I don't know why people seem to keep Henry Selicking him and everyone's all like oh it's a Peter Jackson movie no it's not Peter Jackson produced it this is Christian Rivers, he's your director. Don't, like, colour him with the whole Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas nonsense. Mm. But, you know what I mean? If, if if Tim Burton directed that, then he also directed Batman Forever, and I don't think he wants to take credit for both. Anyway. Sure. <laughs> so, um, the performances kind of work. Like, Hugo Weaving snarling away like he was a Mr. Anderson. You know, the mm. same old... You know, song and dance and bit of fun with Hugo Weaving. He's always good. He's always good, yeah. Um, not L. Fanning, Harry Hilmar, um, I think was, it was quite a likeable lead. Uh, Robert Sheehan's never quite been uh, this low on the annoying scale for me. He was British. He was, he was well, British. Well, he's always British, I guess. Is yeah, he? he's always British, but he's unexplained British. Yeah. Or they go needlessly out of their way to explain it, like that yeah. American horror movie he was in recently. Yes! But Ridiculous. yeah, that's really bad. Anyway, um, so it should based on its components, be brilliant. It's not. The problem is the writing is too goofy for what it needs to be. It never seems to really settle into the sort of adventurous, epic side that it wants to. And the closest it can manage is what I can best describe as sort of an 80s John Bluth animated movie with talking mice. 
Oh. Yeah, like, I could imagine this seeing this movie with animated mice, like an American Tale style, like Don Bluth style. Sounds kind of cute. It would be. It'd be like, Secrets of <laughs> Nim goes steampunk. <laughs> well, don't the think it's been done. The steampunk of Nim, you know? It, it, oh, it would. So um, as it is... I'm intrigued to see how it plays on home release, how it plays to lower expectations. Mm-hmm. Mind you, my expectations weren't that high going in. It's one of those, it's a 6 out of 10 movie. You know, it's, yeah. it's a 6 out of 10 movie. It's a begrudging three-star movie, but it's that way... Three only, stars? Only because there's enough of a quirk to it, and they make enough in the way of sort of... In, in in terms of kind of soft world building, that mm-hmm. it does kind of bolster it up ever so slightly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I say, not terrible, not brilliant. You're not going to feel cheated by it, even though it does owe a significant debt to you know other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you know your Terry Gilliam and your Monty Pythons and things like that, mm-hmm. you've seen a lot of this done before for yeah. laughs, like 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird that these are now becoming serious concepts and uh, that one of them has Colin Salmon in it. But Sure, yeah. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, I knew that one too. Did you not want to? You're having a good day today. I am. <laughs> shall, we, uh, shall we see if we can keep that good day alive then with the box office top five? Let's do it. Number five. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. You saw this because John's seen this, so I imagine. Indeed, you must have. I have, finally. Oh, you have? Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. It's not a Freddie Mercury film, it's a Queen film. Kind of is, and it works a lot better when it's a Queen film. I just think the Freddie Mercury scenes of the feel kind of televisual, actually. Yes. It's kind of a made for TV movie quality. Definitely. To them. But Rami Malek, totally, brilliant here. He's brilliant, but I totally see what you were saying now. Mm. I have to say, my biggest gripe with it Go on. was. Isn't Brian May just the most fantastic, wonderful human being <laughs> in the world? Did, did that really bug you? Because it bugged the hell out of me. It, it did irk me somewhat as oh, well. Um, it also nauseating. made uh, Roger Taylor into uh, a lot more of a character than uh, I suspected uh, he ever could be. But uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not suggesting anything. Yeah, who knows? Um, I liked it. I thought it had swagger and style. Yeah, brilliant yeah. film. So has uh, anybody uh, tweeted us who thinks similar? Indeed. So me. Uh, which is at Falling Avery says I saw Bohemian Rhapsody yesterday and it was so good (laughs) fair she seemed to like it number four Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald (laughs) which the, the more time passes the more I just utterly dislike it um yeah. i think calvin summed it up better than i ever could when he just said it's it's this generation's phantom menace yeah um, i see that yeah it, totally. it pretty much is that kind of film it's like you know you can defend it if you try really really hard but you know you're talking nonsense i was gonna say i, I don't think anyone can actually defend this film <laughs> I think and potterites will try <laughs> i'm sure they can try and yeah there were some cool parts in it and some bits that looked cool but when you look at the actual story it was a mess it was it really was a mess also it achieved surprisingly little for the fact there's like two and a half two and yes. three, two and a quarter hours 
hours long. It was about three days, if I recall. It, it really was. So, uh, does whoever's tweeted us share your opinion? Um, not quite. So, <laughs> Jamie off. Sylvester at Tales X Ange. Uh, the cousin and I just went to see the new Fantastic Beasts movie. It was awesome! Good lord. Number three. Three, two. <laughs> you always got to make way for Drago. But yes, Creed 2. Um, did you get to see this? Because I know John was trying to make you see the first Creed, I think. He tried and he failed. So did he no. fail? Oh, no. Did, I made my mum watch the first Creed. She loved it. Yeah. 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 I mean, she has terrible taste in films, admittedly, but... Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, uh, Creed 2, which I loved every minute of. I thought it was touching, poignant. I thought it was a brilliant Creed sequel, a brilliant Rocky Four sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it had heart. It had soul. It had wit. It reduced me to emotional rubble by the end of the film. I'm not even kidding. I was audibly weeping. My Actually, God. like just sobbing in the cinema at the end of this, and don't don't like get it into your head like Stallone dies. I mean, it's not like not like that. It's it's just it's amazing just how much emotion is crammed into the, the final reel of this. It's an astonishing film. I can't believe that this didn't turn out to be the cash in sequel that I clearly thought it was going to be. Wow. But, uh, High praise. Yeah, it really was. Um, so let's keep with the praise. Has anybody tweeted us? Uh, so Keisha Ferrari at Lakeisha sure, says Creed 2 was pretty good. Michael B. Jordan made a fan out of me. Number two. You're mean one. You really are The Grinch. You say it with all the enthusiasm. Of the actual Grinch. Yeah. Which is fair, I wasn't a fan either. It seems <laughs> to keep sneaking back into up the top ten, uh, up the top five. Because so, Christmas. Well, yeah, I suppose. And, well, but, Into the Spider-Verse hasn't really caught on for the kids yeah, yet. So. And people seem to be liking this thing, then. Yeah, they do. I don't quite get it. I assume maybe it's the Illumination connection. Apparently yeah. there's a new trailer out for Secret Life of Pets 2, by the way. So oh, is I'm there? looking forward to seeing that. Is that in front of the Grinch? Because I will go see it just for that. We have the internet now. (laughs) This isn't like the old days when you had to go and keep buying tickets to Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone so that you could see the first trailer for episode two. All right. Bring up history, why don't you? Thank God for the unlimited card or whatever it used to be called back then. Yeah, it was something else, wasn't it? Something else, like Mega Pass, something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I just remember just having a shed load of tickets to Harry Potter and just watching the Star Wars trailer over and over and then leaving. That's it. How dare you? <laughs> I love those Harry Potter films. Those, those movies are great. They just, you know, just to start with, they just... Uh, once was enough. Once was... No, actually, I think I saw it three or four times, actually, because oh, of good. that trailer. I'll forgive you then. But, uh, yeah. Has anybody tweeted us? Yeah, so Liv at ohudson24 says, I haven't even watched The Grinch yet. At The Grinch 2000 would be so disappointed in me. Don't worry, I am too. Number one. <laughs> Ralph breaks the internet. Ralph breaks my heart because it's not very good. Yeah. And I really wanted it to be because I quite like the first one. Oh. And the sequel just doesn't have any of the depth or character or imagination as the first one, despite the fact that it's literally got the internet to play with. But so, the internet's know, bad. 
Or is it good? Well, the film can't make up its damn mind on that subject. <laughs> it really can't. And then when it's given the chance to address things like negative internet commentators and trolls, mm-hmm. it noticeably bottoms out of any kind of sense of responsibility or entitled, entitled imagination. It just, it just doesn't work. I mean, the Disney princess stuff works. Yeah. And you'll get a kick out of just that. Like, it's worth you seeing the movie just for the Disney princess stuff, because it's great. That is the only reason I want to see it. it exactly, honest. yeah. If that was the movie, though, it would be fantastic. Mm. It's not, though. It's just a not very good sequel. And if anything, it's like a Disney-fied version of the Emoji movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, sorry about that. So, um, I think someone's tweeted us. What do they think? Um, so, Lydia Backwards, I'm not even going to try that at something or other says did i just cry after watching ralph breaks the internet yes i did well i i mean i cried but probably not for the same reason <laughs> <laughs> is there anything in the news you would like to discuss Ms. needham anything that's grabbed your attention well the only thing that comes to mind mm. is that there are some details coming out and hopefully you know more than me about yeah. jordan peele's new film which is called us no i don't know anything about it actually what? Um, I, I, how have you let me down I, i've managed to keep relatively away from this i know it is it's being positioned as another and this is the quote social thriller yes along the lines that get out was mm. or social horror whatever it was he, this is what he's sort of positioning his his brand as yeah obviously he's taken time off in the middle of that to produce uh, black clansman which we both loved indeed and, indeed and uh well now he's doing another one this is this follow-up to get out this is another thing that is about race in America. It's got mm. a very cool poster. I don't know the plot as yet. Well, shall well. I read the tiny synopsis that's please, come please out Please do. I'm, I'm curious to know. Okay, so we've got a mother, which is Lupita Nyong'o, and a mm. father, which is Winston Duke, take mm. their kids to a beach house expecting to unplug and unwind with friends, one of which is Elizabeth Moss. But as night descends, their serenity turns to tension and chaos when some shocking visitors arrive uninvited. That sounds awesome. Okay, yeah, I mean, so it's like funny games, but like Jordan Peele's... Standard Home Evasion sounding, but we know me, it won't be. You give me Jordan Peele's funny games. Exactly. And I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I want that. I mean, oh, I love funny games. I'm one of those weird people that prefers the American remake, though, to the... To do the you know, remake. I actually do, too. Yeah, but it's because Brady Corbett and the other dude, I can never remember, they're so good as the... Uh, is as Which the is the one that looks like Leonardo DiCaprio? Don't know offhand. I can't remember who the other one was. I know one was Brady Corbett. I just don't remember the other one. I don't know. I don't remember it was Brady Corbett because he was the kid sidekick in like four episodes of 24. No idea. Yeah, I have a weird memory. (laughs) Anyway, okay, let's talk about Free Solo really quickly, which is a new Nat Geo documentary. Um, Yes, I I know it's never the the usual realm of excitement, is it? Mm. But they have produced some quite good stuff recently. Science Fair, in particular, I thought was great. Oh, you did enjoy that. This is about Alex Honnold. He is a free solo climber. And the the documentary basically I was really thinking it was going to be about Han Solo. (laughs) (laughs) A documentary about what happened to... uh, (laughs) Documentary about the -the behind-the-scenes turmoil in the making of Solo. Um, No, this is about uh, Alex Honnold, the climber. Um, It's uh, follows his attempt to free climb El Capitan. Oh. Yeah. And uh, it, it's never been done, I think, in one go. And okay. he sets out to be the man to do it. Well, somebody and, uh, climbed a bit up, then they climb back down, then they, yeah, they can climb more, and they can take and br- they... And they can just, like, you know, <laughs> climb it in stages or whatever. I, I don't know. I get it. But, um, 
so he's he's going to be the first man to uh, to scale this thing end to end in one sort of sustained go. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the course of this, they intercut it with interviews both with Alex Honnold himself and his nearest and dearest, effectively his his peers, his fellow climbers, his family members, mm-hmm. his parents, and basically just trying to figure out what makes someone who does something this insane for a living actually tick. Here's a clip. But the boulder problem has a ten foot section that's incredibly difficult. It's a very intricate sequence. You've got your right hand on a crimp, left hand on a side pull, and then you put your right foot onto this dimple thing. Right hand goes up to a small down pulling crimp, left foot goes into a little dish, and then you drive up off the left foot into the thumb press. That's the worst hold on the entire route, so you get maybe half your thumb on the hold. Yeah. What the hell was that? <laughs> okay. Right. The uh, I'll tell you what, before I get to that, I just want to ask you a quick hypothetical question. If All we right. were in a relationship, you and I, uh-huh. uh, if we were in a relationship for many years and someone made a documentary about me, and over the course of the documentary I made numerous references to the fact that uh, if my career ever uh, gets, in the, gets in between us, I will ditch you and just pursue my career, you'd have a problem with that, right? Um, yeah. Okay, just wanted to check, because this guy does that a lot, and he has the world's most understanding partner. Partner person, you deserve better. (laughs) Right. I thought it was weird. He comes up a few times. Um, Right, weird thing about this. Alex Honnold himself, not the most likable man in the universe. Yeah, clearly. The clip shows you a little bit of his tunnel vision. Other than that, he can be quite a sort of uh, hippie douchebag, would be the term. (laughs) I mean, he lives in a van, and he's he's kind of philosophical about it, you know? One of those. Very rarely wears shoes, you would imagine. Is he a vegan? I think that does come up, actually, yes. Oh, I, I, think, I think he's like part vegan or something. Like he's part vegan. vegan. He's one of those people like he says, I'll have meat like once a month or something, but the rest of the time I'm vegan. Anyway, oh, beside the point. Up. So, documentary maker, you have to forgive me on the name on this one, Elizabeth Vassaheli uh, has teamed up with Jimmy Chan, uh, Jimmy Chan, Jimmy Chin, who is a pro climber. And the pair of them have directed this together. And because mm-hmm. he is a pro climber, he knows just how to make this pop. It is stunning. Like if you know when you see those uh, demo 8K TVs in Costco, yeah, yeah, you're gonna see this on a few of them soon. Like hopefully this into the Spider Verse interchange. <laughs> but, uh, hopefully just into the Spider Verse from well, the sounds of this. Film. Mm, well, it's interesting. It's stunning. It's just that he isn't particularly likable because he isn't particularly likable. It never quite charms you. Do you hope he falls off? Well, I mean, the thing is, he doesn't. So it's Damn. we know because he's still alive. So. Damn. Yeah, he's on a lot of Red Bull adverts, I think. Oh, that says it all. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back for one last I ride. I am three for three. Are you three for three? I three? really am. Well, your staff, you can't enter the competition. Should we even tell people about We should. We should probably do that. Okay, so if you Maybe. can guess all three of our idents for this week, if you know what they are, tweet us at Movie Marker. Just give mm-hmm. us your three picks, what you think they are. Hashtag off screen. And uh, at the end of the month, uh, we will pick four names from our hat from each of our weeks, and uh, you'll win a DVD. So Any old DVD? Any old DVD. We're not guaranteeing what that DVD is. Could be the long-awaited home British release of uh, Snowpiercer. Could be a copy Could of Fifty First Dates. Could be uh, the House Bunny. We don't know. It's purely down to whatever's in the pound shop. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We get sent enough DVDs. <laughs> 
Can we just discuss a bit of film news then before we get to the news. final review? Okay then. Of so, the main show, anyway. Final, final bit of film news. Three words, Go on. and I need you to tell me more. Yeah. Sister Act Three. Okay, it's happening. Ah! Sister Act Three is happening. That's going to be a thing, because it turns out. Um, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Disney have got this whole new space opening up in which to debut anything they want. What? I know, it's going to be called Disney Plus, and it's their new Netflix rival streaming service, for which they have uh, pre-allocated all the Marvel and Disney movies now and forevermore. Take my money. I know. Well, obviously, we're getting the Mighty Ducks TV reboot for that as well. Are we? We are. Um, we're getting uh, Lady and the Tramp. The live-action Lady and the Tramp oh. is going to there. We're getting those Marvel shows, Loki, Scarlet Witch, yeah, Bucky. Yeah. Um, who knows what else we're going to get? Although, I can tell you, we're now getting Sister Act 3. So... That's coming to Disney Plus. Doesn't mean it's a VOD release or anything like that. We mm-hmm. don't know what the bar is going to be for these uh, made for Disney Plus movies yet. Yeah, true. So I mean, we don't know. Lady and the Tramp's got a, you know like a lot to live up to in one sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as I know, it's still going to be pretty highly budgeted. But is Whoopi back? This is the question we don't know yet. We just don't know. what's the point if she's not coming back? Don't bother. <laughs> I mean, I just want to know like how much money you've got to throw at Rihanna to get her to play like a, a, a Brooklyn schoolgirl. I mean, because that's, that's clearly got to be the shtick this time, right? I guess like, so. Is there anyone else we could ask? Could 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 uh, Ariana do it? Like, Ariana could do one of these, right? Oh, that's true, actually. Like, Ariana she was in that one. Hairspray, you know, when they did that live. Yeah, was hairspray she? Hairspray live. She was in that. Yeah. She was Penny Pingleton or I can't stand called. Hairspray, I'm not going to lie. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> so, um, we've got one last review. For do the we have to? We have to. And mm-hmm. so, I'm not even going to introduce it. I'm going to let my man, Ori Gold, do it for me. Aquaman? Aquaman, baby. It is Spider-Man underwater. Boom. And the reason I've just played that is to prove a point. This is a movie so ridiculous in concept that 13 years ago, over the space of about six months, this was an ongoing storyline on Entourage. (laughs) One they played for laughs because it was deemed so ridiculous that you could never actually have an Aquaman movie. I just always think of, there's a clip in Family Guy where they do kind of an Aquaman joke, and that's all I can think about whenever (laughs) people talk about When he can't help because the crime is on land. Exactly. Yeah, same thing. (laughs) And that proves a point because Aquaman has always been more suited to that kind of thing. He's never been a a, a banner character. Mm. He's never been, you know, Wonder Woman or Superman that you could stick on a t-shirt or, you know, Mm. put the bat symbol on a keychain. You don't really get that with Aquaman. And so he's kind of, because of the sort of camp depictions of him over the years, has fallen into this this kind of niche comic fodder character. So what do you do when you've got a character that's seen that way? Well, you could radically overcompensate and maybe cast him as a, I don't know, giant fish douche. (laughs) That's one way to do it, like... King of the Brotions. Oh, King of the Brotions! (laughs) So Jason Momoa is Arthur Curry, the Aquaman. Arthur Curry? That's his name, Arthur Curry, the Aquaman. Oh, my God. And the Aquaman is uh, is half human, half Atlantean, right? His mum is Queen... I don't even remember Bibbly her Bibbly Bobbly. Queen yeah, Bibbly Bobbly, who's, uh, you know, fled from the uh, the oceans in some sort of coup, and uh, she's fallen in love with a lighthouse keeper, played by Tamara Morrison. They've had a child in, their, in this forbidden love that they share. That child is Arthur Curry. One day when he's a kid, they are attacked in their home, and she fends them all off and realises that Arthur will never be safe 
as long as she doesn't return to the ocean, she does. Years later, um, he's defending the oceans from, uh, uh, you know, the outside incursions of man, like pollution, mm-hmm. submarines and things like that, and, you know, all the ecological destruction that we bring up on the, you know, the planet's oceans. Um, he's fighting that, uh, but he's doing it as a sort of defensive measure. His brother, on the other hand, mm-hmm. who's played by Patrick Wilson... Oh, I like uh, him. Yeah, oh, no, no, just don't. Don't get oh. your hopes up. Patrick Wilson, who plays Orm... Orm Curry. Yeah. Orm, yeah, Orm Curry. Yeah. <laughs> Orm, Orm Atlantis? I don't know. Anyway, he's he's King Orm. And uh, King Orm basically realises that his only uh, possible threat to the throne is his estranged brother. He wants to unite the armies of the Seven Seas so that he can mm-hmm. launch an attack, a preemptive strike on man, mm-hmm. and return the world to a peaceful way that he thinks it used to be. Mm-hmm. And the only way that Arthur Curry can stop Orm Curry is uh, by taking back the throne and the only way that Arthur Curry can become the Aquaman who's then allowed to take the throne is by uniting the people behind him and the only way that Arthur Curry can get the people to unite behind him is to go and find a magic trident (gasps) a trident a trident which is a move so chunderheaded that the character himself at one point literally says I already got one of these you're like, yeah, we know, dude. We've seen you with two of them now. You had one in Justice League. You had you had your mum's one earlier in this movie. Like, we really got to go and find another trident just because that one's magic? Why couldn't you just Needs magic up three. one of these? Three tridents. Try yeah. tridents. Anyway, so Amber Heard and Aquaman go off looking for a trident, a magic trident. Mm. Here's a clip. My parents were from different worlds. And I was a product of a love that never should have been. He could unite our worlds one day. A son of the land and a son of the seas. Your mother always knew you were special. You are part of something deeper. You are the bridge between land and sea. Take your rightful place. Is king become the Aquaman? Oh my god! I never understood why Americans always say it as O C K Waman, Aquaman. Oh, like Aquaman. I've never, never quite gotten that. Aqua. But, yeah. Anyway, so um, not quite as fun as the entourage gag would have had us believe. Um, I thought oh, this was just a mess. Um, the combination of, you know, otherworldly Kingdom of Atlantis versus the DCEU's rather firmly established grimoire, grimdark aesthetic grimoire? Grimoire. Uh, grimoire. Grimdark aesthetic is just a tonal mishmash. It never quite works. It just feels like someone over-colour graded a copy of Avatar. Mm. Like someone just put way too much blue colour grading over shots of Pandora. Uh, Momoa's having fun, but there's not really an awful lot for him to do. His entire function within this story is... I show up somewhere, I punch three dudes, I get some exposition, and then I move on to the next location, I punch three dudes, I get some exposition, so so on and so forth. And I'm very handsome. And he's very handsome because abs. (laughs) Anyway, so um, Amber Heard tries to liven it up a little bit, but to be honest, the writing is never any more advanced than basic the basic concept for the King of Queens. Mm. You know where you know she's the 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 hot wife slash love interest, and she's clearly the smart one, and she's got all the sass and the mouth, and the feckless schlub in this case just happens to be ripped. 
That's yeah. basically the crack here. Um, Willem Dafoe's on, like, Great Wall Autopilot. Patrick Wilson just looks embarrassed. Oh, like, Patrick. 18 villain embarrassed. Remember when oh. he was the 18 villain? Like, that embarrassed. Oh. Yeah. Um, who else have we got in there? And, uh, I don't know, Dolph Lundgren? Waste of time what? as well. Dolph Lundgren is in this, I know. Um, I just don't get how they got Nicole Kidman to do it. I really don't. Um, like I say, it does, the story doesn't make sense on its own grounds. Um, it constantly contradicts itself. It contradicts its own mythology it's tried to establish before this. Um, it's not particularly engaging to watch. It relies far too heavily on the fast punch, slow blow thing oh, that the yeah. DCEU movies always do. Like, they you do know, love when that. Batman throws three punches and it lasts 15 minutes. Every time he punches a guy, it takes five minutes for him to fly across <laughs> the room. Like that underwater fly across the room with no windows yeah exactly the, yeah the rooms that have no windows because yeah. dceu that one you know <laughs> when you fly on a private jet with no windows well who needs windows exactly <laughs> <laughs> so same thing here but underwater um and blue that's that's really it um if i had to find a comparison point for it i'd say it's a lot like the chronicles of riddick except okay. i'll watch the chronicles of riddick again in my lifetime i will probably never willingly watch this Never willingly. Never willingly. Famous last words. <laughs> exactly. Is it long? Uh, is it long? Two hours 23. Oh, too so, much. Yeah. And is... so let me just get this straight. Go this, on, go on. this happens after Justice League. Yes. And do you know all the props he gets for that? Is uh-huh. uh, hey, remember when you destroyed Steppenwolf? Yeah, thanks. You're welcome for that. Yeah. That's it. That's the conversation about Justice League. All right. You're like, well, well, hang on a minute. I mean, there's another point when he, when uh, Jason Momoa, genuinely, about halfway through this movie, mm-hmm. asks Amber Heard, Hey, what's your name, by the way? What? You're like, wait, wait, what? Well, hang on a minute. We, we not only have been with her for this entire time, but you don't know either? Because I just thought they'd been lazy and not told us, the audience, what her name was. Like, we were supposed to know it from the action figures or something. He just never asked. He just never asked, despite that lengthy, private, intimate conversation they had in Justice League. You know the movie before this? The one that they really don't want you to remember? That thing, yeah. Uh, This, by the way, it's not Justice League bad. It's Suicide Squad lame. So, think of it that way. But it's uglier to look at than Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to give it that, really. So that's, I mean, there's a lot to say about it. It was. I never had high hopes for this. It could have been the new Thor. It is not. So not the film of the week, then. Not the film of the week at all. Come on, then. What are you going to give so, it? So film of the week this week. I mean, I'm going to have to give it to Into the Spider Verse. Well, there's a surprise. It was so good. And really, I'll be honest, so good. I really had no intentions of seeing it, but mm. you've actually sold it to me. Yeah, it, it is. This is the thing. I've, I've asked, like, loads of critic friends of mine, like, you know, stern, middle-aged adults. You know, people <laughs> I adults. consider proper grown-ups. Yeah. I've asked them. They've loved this. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I was put off by that bit at the end of Venom because it was so left-field <laughs> where I was like, what the hell is this? Don't forget, two people named Remington worked on Venom. Oh. Yeah, true story. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so next week is it's looking a little bit more diverse, I would suppose. All least. right, then. Hit so me. next week, Mary Poppins returns. Cool, blimey. I bet your parents, your dad specifically, must be weary up for that. I, do you know what? I don't even know if he's aware. I'm going to break it to him and see oh, what yeah. happens. I'll report back. If anyone doesn't know this, Kelly's entire family are like just musical theatre people. But, true that. Uh, <laughs> true that. Uh, we've got 1985. We've got Life Itself. We've got RBG. Do you know what RBG stands for? Red, blue, green. 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, that was close. It's, it's the latest Dogma movie. It's about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, we've got An Impossible Love. We've got the remake of Papillon next week with mm. Rally Malik and Charlie Hunnam. Oh, wow. Yeah, this looks good. And, and I, I wasn't looking forward to this in the slightest, but... Not only have I heard really, really great things about it, mm-hmm. but also Calvin went and did our movie marker review for this uh-huh. and got himself on the ruddy poster for it. So is it? Bumblebee is out next week. Ah. So yeah, four stars from Movie Marker, courtesy of Calvin Priffin. So oh, excellent. <laughs> we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been the Canister production for Movie Marker. I've been Van Connor. I've been Kelly Needham. And we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast extras. Oh, it's time. There's loads to go through. We've still got to review Lizzie. And Have you heard this nonsense, by the way, that some university did an academic study of all the James Bond movies and determined that James Bond was sociologically an alcoholic? I did not hear that, but it somehow doesn't surprise me. I mean, it was something. They did try playing for a joke a few times. I think there's like one of the Pierce Brosnan movies where they, mm-hmm. they, they body scan him and they determine that he's in perfect physical health except for his liver and his kidneys, <laughs> which they, they remark are near transplant levels. Well, he but, does uh, like things shaken, not stirred. It does indeed. So, Speaking of Bond, there was a bit of film news that I saw earlier which... It wasn't really news, but it sort of made me laugh. Okay. And the news was that Rami Malek is not going to be the next Bond villain. No, no, no. This is the whole thing. Apparently. <laughs> you know when Danny Boyle was directing it? Yes. When Danny Boyle was directing it, he wanted Rami Malek to be the hmm. villain. Why would he? And then, obviously, uh, they couldn't line the schedules up because of Danny Boyle and whatever reasons he left over. And uh, Rami Malek just couldn't fit it in because of uh, Mr. Robot. I think yeah. it's the final season of Mr. Robot he's going to do or hmm. something. Um, so, I think... It's not been confirmed if, say, Tagmawi, who's now attached, is playing the same role. But, uh, yeah. No idea. So, yeah, apparently Remy Malik was going to be our villain, though. And, yeah, that that would have been something. It would have been very good, to be fair. Yeah, I could imagine that. Remy Malik is just, like, an absolute chameleon. He is, but Remy Malik, this is the problem with the idea of having Remy Malik in a Bond movie, though, is you can't have a villain who notably has more personality than James Bond. That's true. Which is why we've gotten away with not having particularly great villains all this time, because they don't have to have much personality to mm. match Bond. So, And this, remind me, this is going to be Daniel Craig's last, right? Thankfully, yes. Oh, thank God for that. Maybe I can yeah. start watching Bond films again. I know, I miss liking Bond movies. Those were good days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right, Die Another Day kind of killed it, but, you know, we were having fun till then. Yeah. But uh, so, do um, you know this whole Disney, Marvel, Netflix cancelling shows like Daredevil, mm-hmm. Iron Fist, stuff like that? Uh, Iron like, Fist, no one cared. Well, no one cared about Iron Fist, but people care about Luke Cage and Daredevil. Yes, so. they do. Uh, well, this is the thing. Apparently, they can be revived for Disney's new streaming service, but legally not for two years. Oh, I so see. That's, that's apparently the contract requirement. So people will wait. People will wait. Uh, speaking of the Disney Plus thing, though, we are they. We know that they're doing their uh, their big Star Wars series. Yes. On that, the Mandalorian, as it's called. Oh, is that what it's called? It's called the Mandalorian. It's about like Boba Fett's people. Right. Yeah. Well, we've now got some new cast members. All right. <laughs> this is great. This is so out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So. You can say hello to Nick Nolte, who's, who's joined it. Nick Nolte! 
Nolte. Nick Nolte. Yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, Pedro Pascal, we already knew, uh, was apparently yes. the lead. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, Gina Carano has joined it as oh. well. Okay, yeah. Um, Carl Weathers has joined it. Carl Weathers. Apollo Creed has joined this. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's going to get weirder. Giancarlo Esposito, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, what? he has joined this. Yep. And last, but certainly by no means least, none other than Werner Herzog. What? This. What is this thing? <laughs> I have no idea. Apparently it is set after the fall of the Empire, like after mm-hmm. uh, the events of Return of the Jedi. You know, in the limbo period between the old trilogy and this one. Yep. Um, and it's before the First Order comes about. It's going to be set in there and it's, it's going to be sort of lawless kind of idea like the yeah, Mandalorian sure. going and being sort of a lone gunslinger type character mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by it like Taika Waititi is directing an episode of it oh, and, uh, Rick Famuyiwa uh, who was going to do that Flashpoint movie for a while he's mm-hmm. doing Bryce Dallas Howard is directing an episode because of her long established directorial credentials and in no way to do with who her dad is and mm-hmm. uh, Dave Filoni so it could be interesting you know it's, it's apparently it's going to be out in late 2019 so we let's shall see let's see what happens I mean, let's be honest. A Disney streaming service has our money straight off the bat. Yeah, exactly. It? We're going to have it. Of course we are. Of course. Or, or one of us is going to have it. The other one's going to have their password. That's <laughs> totally how this works. <laughs> they know this. Uh, should I talk about Lizzie really Go quickly? on then. Hit me okay. with it. It's Who's Lizzie? Lizzie? It's the Lizzie Borden movie. Oh. Okay, right. You know, you say it like that. Can I just mm-hmm. ask you this? Because I didn't know the specifics of Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden, to me, is on Wednesday Adams' baseball cards. <laughs> that's that's what I kind of know her from and also apparently she killed someone with a hatchet once that's basically all I knew yeah and then I saw this movie and I've kind of like since gone back and like wikied it and tried to find the actual version of it and yeah that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty odd story um so she's just well I just knew her as like axe murderer yeah okay so the basic the but, idea but like that, in the old days yeah in ye olden times yeah yeah i think it's something like 1890s and that no, I've no idea um this is chloe savigny as uh, yeah as lizzie borden and this is the story of what happened in the last 48 hours of her family's lives mm-hmm. um basically delicately shot through the prism of lizzie's relationship with uh, the housekeeper bridget who's played here by Kristen stewart and Ooh. don't let that fool you, though. Good performance. Oh. Actually, actually pretty good. Like, Kristen Stewart can act. But is that because the character requires somebody to be completely wooden and, you know... Funnily enough, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, that might be a component of it. I'm not oh. going to lie. Um, no, I thought, it was, uh, I thought it was really well done. I mean, it is a bit formulaic. So the way it's set up is like, of a three-act structure, it basically goes... Here's how all the pieces were set up. Here's the aftermath. Here's what we think went down. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that when you get to that, here's what we think went down bit, you get to that moment. Do you remember the very first time you saw From Hell? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the bit where they have to actually come up with a theory as to who Jack the Ripper is? Yes. And the movie just becomes instantly sillier. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like that, but without the silliness. It just feels like you're watching something a lot more fictitious. Okay. Even though... Like Poetic License. Yeah. You you know, realistically, it could well actually be this. Mm. This could be the actual version of events and go back and read through some things and, you know, some things do line up. But, you know, I mean, it it does feel like, because they've had to use their imagination for that bit, Mm. 
you know, then it starts to get a little bit ropey. It doesn't quite work. To be fair, though, uh, Craig McNeil, who's directed this, has chosen very wisely not to uh, gothic it up, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, go all, like, melodramatic Mm -hmm. and, oh, it's all by the stove and the candlelight melodrama. (laughs) You know, where the mildew seeps from the walls in slow-mo. He's not done that. You know? Yeah, well, well done. It's not done the MTV music video 1990s director version of this, mm. which is you know kind of a relief, like Stigmata, but you know, with Lucy Porter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you feel like it would be so tempting to do something like really OTT gothicked up kind of thing with this. It'd be too but obvious. Though. It'd be Come too on. obvious. Thankfully, they don't do that. The film's a lot better for it. Mm. Um, I think it's to be honest, it, it's kind of a three star movie, but it's uh, it, it's largely because those performances are great. Oh. So yeah. Interested story? Yes, it was. And also, there's a dude in there who I thought was Tracy Letts for about ten minutes, and it turned out to be the dude who plays Oliver Queen's dad on Arrow, who Ah. I'm pretty sure is now just the guy you call when Tracy Letts is busy. It's all these Poundland versions. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, Tracy Letts. You have a Poundland version. That's when you know you've made it. (laughs) That is it, isn't it? That's like (laughs) Tom Hardy knew he was famous when Logan Marshall Green came along. Exactly. But uh, There's a bit of film news that we foolishly forgot to talk about in the main show. Okay, what did we forget to talk about? There was a pretty important trailer came out recently. Oh, are you are you talking about how part of the journey is the end? I might be. It's the Avengers, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am uh, not going to pretend. I mean, for one thing, I think did the Avengers trailer come out between our last two shows? Is it? I've no idea. All I know is that you and I haven't spoke about it. Okay. Therefore, we must. Uh, yeah. So, in fact, we have some film news to do with Marvel actually as well after this. Excellent. Um, you can, but, you can uh, slap the, it in the there. The trailer for Avengers Endgame is now out. Um, a bit of a disappointment on the title because they tease something really like earth shattering, like, okay, let's give us the phrase we know we've used twice in these things already. But, well. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah. So, it's, uh, it's Avengers Endgame. It is promising to be the final chapter of this part of the Marvel Universe. What does that mean? That means that after this, some things will be different permanently. No take, no takesies, backsies, nothing like right. that. Which basically means, you know, we might be able to let Chris Evans out of that contract that he keeps mentioning no! he wouldn't mind being let go from. Things like that. Don't let him go. <laughs> so don't, don't be surprised if, like, Rai Rai Williams turns up in, in some point in Avengers Endgame and Tony Stark's like, hey... Little American girl, do you do you want to know how to use an arc reactor? Like, don't be surprised if that happens, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's a good trailer. It's a really good trailer. It it's show a good too trailer. Much. It really doesn't. I like that because modern trailers they just show everything. But one thing that I've found hilarious is that a lot of the commentary that I've seen on this mm. trailer, albeit from very female centric publications, yeah. are all about mourning Chris Evans's beard. <laughs> Yes, it seems to have uh, it seems to have had its fans. Doesn't it? it really did. I'm like, guys, can you not see how awesome this trailer is and look past the lack of beard? And if you look at the because Chris Evans is a pretty good actor, mm. um, if you look at any moment you see of him in the trailer, um, he 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 has perfected the fine art of portraying the sad shave. Yes, because he does look genuinely sad. To have shaven his beard. He does. He does. <laughs> he just threw out. It's like, yeah, well, this is going to work. It better do. Because uh, I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I might have to go another beard there, Steve. Uh, there was one spoiler in that trailer. Actually. Oh, 
Oh, I don't know if I want you to point it out to me. If you saw it again, there's every chance you would notice it, oh, to be fine. honest. Um, and it's an almost blink and you'll miss it acknowledgement that one person who we didn't know got evaporated in you know th- the Thanos snap uh-huh. did in fact get evaporated in the Thanos snap. Which was? And that is, Bla- that is the Black Panther's sister Shuri. She got oh. taken away in the snap. Didn't happen on the screen, but the trailer confirms she's one of them. Does it? Yeah. Not Shuri. <laughs> so Shuri's gone too. No. Which I would have thought was the easy way to get out of the story, to be honest. Which was, you know, let's just ask Suri to whip up a magical time machine. Oh, I guess. Using vibranium megatech or whatever. Mm. Like, you half expect something like that. You know, like, oh, we'll build a vibranium-powered portal or whatever it is. And we'll use the Ant-Man thing and stick that in there. And it'll send us all through time. Yeah. Which I'm sure will be a variation of what actually happens anyway. But Well, let's not speculate. Speaking of the MCU, though. <laughs> Go on. This week, a long, long development sequel finally Mm -hmm. got a a confirmed director and a confirmed timeline for actually happening okay right doctor strange 2 is finally happening i really don't know how i feel about that i'm really excited doctor strange is a movie that i actually like more every time i see it I agree with that, actually. I do like it more the more that I watch it. I, I just think hate you, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> That's the problem. But yes, Scott Derrickson, who directed the first uh, Doctor Strange. He's, uh, he's Do we have back. any details about it? He's going to co-direct, he's going to co-write it, sorry, with C. Robert Cargill, who he did the first movie with. Mm-hmm. Uh Benny Cumberbatch, Benny Wong, and Rachel McAdams. They're all coming back. All right. No word on Chewie Edgefor, though, yet. What? Uh, no word on Chewie, man. Chewy. Although, we do know Tilda Swinton did film a bit for Avengers Endgame. So that's another interesting one. I'm betting that feeds somehow into the Time Stone. Yeah, of course. uh, Anyway, so yeah, so Doctor Strange 2, that is finally coming. Uh, It's uh, Because obviously, once we get past uh, Endgame, the only MCU movie we know about that's confirmed Mm -hmm. is Spider-Man Homecoming Too Far From Home. Mm Mm-hmm which is only about three months later. So there's kind of a big release date gap in there. Um, it's going to, by the look of it, going to have an early 2021 release. So oh, That's ridiculous. Yeah. So there's still far. 2020 to fill. Yeah. So I don't it's gonna know. It's going to go in there. I don't know. I mean, it's going to have to be, we're going to have to hear something soon for them to actually fill it. But I guess we're gonna, probably going to get a Captain Marvel sequel maybe. well captain marvel sequel would end up being like 2022 2023 realistically and really yeah but if they could find a director to do it they've apparently by all accounts got guardians 3 ready to go Ooh, i don't but know if they just, dare do that yet you don't want to be the director who takes i was gonna say do you? you want to be that director <laughs> you want to be the no. scab the scab but uh, yeah so there's that <laughs> Speaking of Avengers, go on. Uh, Legendary have acquired the film rights to the Toxic Avenger. Oh God, yes! <laughs> yeah, Toxic Avengers getting remade. Really? Yeah. Oh. For those that don't know, this was a really low-budget, crappy '80s horror film. Wasn't Hang on, it? so you've actually seen the Toxic Avenger? Oh, a long, 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 long time ago. Oh my God! Did you ever yeah. see the animated series they made of it? No. Because that was that was kind of our age bracket. It was called Toxic Crusader. No, I don't think it and, did. And, oh, man. We went through this this weird phase where we kept adapting, uh, like, Swamp Thing-type creatures for television. And Toxic Avenger was one of them. Like, we actually got a Swamp Thing TV series. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And Is the- this like when we got Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Oh, hang on. Do you mean the animated series? Yeah. Oh, my God. That is my favourite thing in the world. Oh, ever. my God. I 
is so good. It, it really is. I had my first crush on Tara Boomdia. Oh, all I can do is just hear the theme song in my head now. I'm not going to sing uh, it. Kill it to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this is about it was it was a boy. A sort of young boy. He was a bullied kid, like, yeah. Yeah, toxic waste. Bullied and, out the window yeah. and into some toxic waste. And then decided to start fighting the villains with his newfound ugliness. Wasn't his whole thing that he could sense evil? Like he oh, could maybe. sense bad people and that's oh, how he knew how to ago. fight. Quite but, possibly. Yeah, and then they did other sequels and it all went a bit Death Wish and... Yeah. yeah, but I'm glad it's getting remade. That's uh, that could have some real That's weight now, especially one. in like a social network culture. You know? Yeah, true. Can you imagine? Like, you know, he got trolled online. Don't get preachy <laughs> with it, though. Please don't get preachy. Of course they will. That's what they do now. But, um, uh, there's the bit in the whole controversy about controversy controversy about Kevin Hart and the Oscars pulling yes. out. Yes. Um, that's been a biggie. Yeah, because it turns out when you have to do something that's largely qualified by Disney, you uh, probably should just never tweet anything ever. Yeah, you yeah. should at least have done the due diligence and erased <laughs> your entire history. Yeah, probably. And Kevin Hart, by all accounts, tried. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's a tough one to talk about, isn't it? But it's... When will this end? Never. Everyone has a history. I don't know. I mean, I guess there was a lot of uproar about, oh, well, he's refusing to apologise. But maybe I misunderstood. But it, it seemed to me like he did apologise. He did many years ago, yes. But, exactly. So, which is no. part of the reason I can almost understand his response. Because his response was, was along those lines of, I'm not apologising for nothing. I've already done all this. No. Yeah. Like, no, you're not going to do this to me now. Come mm. on. Because it just seems to be we go through this process once a goddamn week now. Yeah. Did you see the trailer for the new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Of course! It's amazing, isn't ah, it? They so did good. Die Hard! They did Die Hard, finally! <laughs> they really did. Um, Chris Messina, remember him? Who? Chris Messina. I'm going to show you a picture of the guy, and you're going to remember, oh, it's that guy from that thing four years ago. Remember oh, him? Oh, yeah! Yeah, that guy from Wasn't that thing. Wasn't he in Mindy? Mindy Project. He was in the Mindy Project, yes. Um, he is going to be the secondary villain in Birds of Prey. And that's the female centric... Of the species who's more no. deadly than the male. <laughs> yeah, Female-centric whatever thing. It is the female team-up movie in the DCEU. It's going to star uh, uh, Margot Robbie because yeah. DC. Uh, it's going to star uh, Jeunie Smollett-Bell as the Black Canary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as the That's Huntress, the one I was thinking. Uh, Rosie Perez as uh, Renee Montoya, and uh, Ellie J. Basco apparently as Batgirl slash Cassandra Kane. Mm. Now, I don't know my Batman mythology these days that well because I only discovered that uh, Kate Kane is Batman's cousin on Arrow the other night. So, oh. yeah, the whole Elseworlds thing. Hmm. I have no but, interest. Uh, anyway, uh, Hugh McGregor <laughs> is the actual villain. Oh. So he's Black Mask, which means he'll be under a mask the entire time. Now, what's the point? Exactly. But uh, that won't stop uh, uh, what do you call him? Uh, uh, Ray Park from uh, not returning for uh, Snake Eyes. Meanwhile, apparently he would return. They're, they're going in a different direction with it. Snake Eyes is going to be its own spin-off. So G.I. Joe is getting a spin-off about one of its characters, and they've chosen to go with Snake Eyes. Ugh. I forgot <laughs> that was even a thing. That is a thing. Shame <laughs> on you for reminding me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, um, uh, Nia Long. Do you remember Nia Long? Oh, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, she's one of those, oh, that chick from that thing in the 90s. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. In fact, I think she might have been in Stigmata that I mentioned. <laughs> Quite possibly. 
possibly. Quite possibly. Like gonna, she started gonna, like, gonna, yeah, movies like that. Uh, she and Karen Fox are going to play the lead roles in the upcoming, highly anticipated sequel, 47 Meters Down, Uncaged. No! Well, at least they changed it from 48 metres down. That's all I can say. They've gone for one less metre. <laughs> John Corbett's going to be in it, you know. Oh, John Corbett. No, I've no yeah. idea. But yeah, really weird one. But no. Oh, and I'll tell you what, one final thing we'll do. You'll have to uh, uh, check this out yourselves at, uh, at home. Uh, but I don't know if you... Have you seen the Sonic the Hedgehog movie poster? No, I haven't. I've heard about it, but I haven't actually <laughs> seen it, which oh sounds insane. God. Right, I'm going to show you the pictures. Okay. I'm going to show you them in the stages in which they were unveiled. First of okay. all, we were shown this silhouette. Ooh, right he's here. sexy. Oh, he's sexy. Look at those arms. He's, yeah, he's kind of buff, he's buff, right? Oh, I mean, that's, that's a ripped dude right there, right? Mm-hmm. Gets a little bit creepier, though, when it's not in the Ooh. silhouette. Kill that with fire, right? <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. God. That's like I wouldn't show that to a child. What? It's terrifying. What the hell is that? It's that's that's manhog. No, I need to see that again. That, show me that again. That's Sonic the Manhog. What the hell is I that? Know, right? Seriously, we at home. Google this image. Half man, Google. half bear, half pig. Yeah, just he's man bear hog. <laughs> <laughs> man, man hedge bear. I don't yeah. know. It just looks deranged. And it's like Sonic and Chris Pratt go on a journey through San Francisco to find some rings that Jim Carrey's stolen as Dr. Robotnik. Or Wait, is yeah. this just a dream that you had? No, this is a real thing. <laughs> it's, it what? just looks awful. I'm not sure I can sit and watch that thing. Do you want to see it again? Yeah. You do, don't you? Yeah. Look, Sonic Ooh. the Manhog. Yeah. <laughs> It looks like a werewolf. It does, doesn't it? That looks like the like like Sonic the Hedgehog ate a child, yeah. and now like the child, it bit a child. The child yes. becomes the Sonic child becomes, the Manhog yes. every night at midnight. You know, it's a werehog. A were exactly Sonic the Werehog. Yes. Oh. Ooh, although, that's horrifying. Although I would watch that as a movie. I'm not gonna mm. Speaking of, <laughs> one last thing. Did you by any chance see the trailer for this came out? I think it was only today. Mm. The Playmobil movie. No. Yeah, I didn't that's know that was a, a thing. That's a thing. Playmobil. Playmobil. Right. Because I think they were annoyed that they weren't getting a movie. Okay. Playmobil. Yeah. What um, is that like? It's just it's like it's, a farm. It's like a knockoff and... Lego movie with Playmobil. Oh, all so, right. Yeah. Uh, one final thing then. Pixar have announced a new film. Oh yes, you I know heard about, about this. Don't this. You? So it is going to star Chris Pratt. It Yay! is going to star Tom Holland. Yay! It is going to star Julia Louis Dreyfus. It is going to star Octavia Spencer, Yay! and it is called Onward. And it's about elves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have to say, as soon as I saw, because they obviously they released the logo, I thought that just looks like Frozen. It, I thought that was the title of the Frozen sequel. Exactly. I, because the font looks very similar, yeah. doesn't it? I thought, oh, is that just what they've called Frozen? Two? That's what I thought. That's yeah. what I thought. So that'd be and, interesting. Mm, but apparently this is, set in, uh, this is set around two teenage elf brothers. So you assume that's Tom Holland and, and Chris Pratt. I presume. And uh, they will embark on an extraordinary quest to discover if there's still any magic left in the world. Oh. Oh. I hope there is. <laughs> well, I think that's a pretty good pairing, Tom Holland and, uh, and Chris Pratt. I that think could, that's excellent. That could absolutely work. But, uh, you know, the, we shall see. I mean, it's not Frozen 2, but after Wreck-It Ralph 2 and Finding Nemo 2 and Incredibles 2, I just, 
I really am hoping for the best. With, yeah, we uh, need a new original. We, we, we really do. So in the meanwhile, uh, that, that's it for me for this week. Aww. Yeah. In which case, here it is. Your moment of cage. What's in the bag? A shark or something? 